Hey, welcome back to Chopper Talk. This is episode number five, and this episode is going to be a little bit different. Typically, I have a guest on, someone in the aviation industry, and I interview them, but today it's just me, and that's okay. So we're going to talk about some stories. Um, before we talk about those stories, I just want to give you guys a heads up that next month in March is uh, Women's History Month. So the entire month, all four episodes are going to feature women, uh, people in the aviation community. The second episode, the second week of March, I'm going to have my boss on, Heather Halley. She's a titan of the helicopter aviation industry, and she's just a, a female business owner, small business owner, and she owns and operates independent helicopters, and we're going to have her on. She's also a DPE, so um, for anyone that doesn't know, that's a designated pilot examiner, and she can issue, she can make people pilots or make people not pilots, um, but all month long, we're going to have females on. So, so that's exciting. Something that is less exciting is this Ukraine conflict. Um, this is not a political show. It is a helicopter aviation show. But it, it's hard not to talk about it because it's such a massive, um, it's such a massive conflict going on, and it takes so much of our brain energy. And I think it's worth talking about. And nonetheless, if we can, it'll be interesting uh, to go back and listen to this podcast uh, five or 10 years from now and hear what the thoughts were and what the conversations were. My heart goes out to uh, the people of Ukraine. It's an absolutely tragic situation. I mean, I can't imagine. Um, it, it's just brutal. And in my lifetime, I've never been in, seen a conflict like this. And being in the age of Twitter and Facebook, the media doesn't really show it, but Twitter and Facebook and the internet, you can see some very graphic images and you can see war. Um, it's completely unfiltered on the internet. It's just been very eye-opening to me. But with that said, there's been some cool stories that have come out of it. The first one that you guys will like, as this is an aviation show, is the ghost of Ukraine. Uh and I've got a couple articles pulled up, but I'll, I'll kind of summarize uh, the ghost of Ukraine story. So when it first popped up for me was on Twitter. I was I was on Twitter and there was like these rumblings of this this jet. And I saw a video of a jet flying over Kiev or something. And as the day went on, I don't know, maybe this was two or three days ago. This conflict has only been going on for two or three days. But the jet was flying over Kiev and apparently as the legend goes this three-day-old legend um the this jet this ghost of kiev this pilot took out six he's a ukrainian jet pilot flying a mig 29 which is a fighter jet he was able to take out six russian aircraft uh over the course of one day uh, i think if i if i remember correctly this was the first day of the battle so he was able to take out six russian aircraft in a single day uh in a single day and I think I think it's just urban legend and it's something to build morale because it, it is such a dark time. It's 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 brutal and people need something to latch on a, a feel good story. And that's what it is. But uh, and the reason I, I, I don't think it's true is because as I did research and I was researching for this podcast and I have some articles pulled up here that MiG-29, it's got from the research I've done and some of you military guys um, and history guys are going to be able to really tell me but it's it can apparently only carry six air to air missiles um and in the videos of this hypothetical 
jet that was flying around. No one could really spot all six or even the capacity for six on this particular jet. Um, so it is probably not true. And the other thing they were saying is if it is true, he I think he's called an an ace or something. He's an ace pilot. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Though the popular and heavily discussed, though popular and heavily discussed on social media, it seems likely that the ghost is just an urban legend, an amalgamation of different stories of and individuals. The story spreading as a morale boost. If the ghost is r- a real person, they would be the first ace pilot of the 21st century. I'm not exactly sure. Let's look it up right now. What is the definition of an ace pilot? Um, a flying ace, fighter ace, or an air ace is a military aviator credited with shooting down five or more enemy aircraft during an aerial combat. The exact number of aerial victories required to officially qualify as an ace is varied, but is usually considered to be five or more. That's cool. So he would be an ace pilot. And on the first day of the war, and that like as I'm speaking right now, it 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 kind of holds true that I think it's it's just something to boost morale and a feel-good story and an urban legend. But nonetheless, um, that that story was kind of cool to me. Uh, the other story um, that is coming up is the story of Snake Island. And the story of Snake Island, um, let's see here. Uh, on Ukraine, Snake Island, a defiant last stand against Russian forces. Basically, I'm so Snake Island is. I think it's a it's a Ukrainian island. Yeah, it's one of their territories. And there was 13 Ukrainian soldiers on the island. And I'm gonna actually read this verbatim because it's really interesting and it, it's pretty short. Okay, as the Russian military pounded targets across Ukraine with an array of bombs and missiles, a small team of Ukrainian border guards. Uh, on a rocky, desolate island received an ominous message. Give up or be attacked. I am a Russian warship, a voice from the invader said, according to recordings from the communications. I ask you to lay down, I ask you to lay down your arms and surrender to avoid bloodshed and unnecessary deaths. Otherwise, you will be bombed. The Ukrainians responded boldly. Russian warship, came the reply. Go fuck yourself. The Russians opened fire eventually, killing all 13 border guards. Fucking badass. Holy shit. Can you imagine staring death in the face and just saying, go fuck yourself? I mean, once again, like that is a morale booster. And like I said, this is not a political show, but what the the stories that are coming out of Ukraine are incredible. I mean, President Zelensky staying there um he's had offers from the u.s and from different european countries to to help evacuate and get out of the country but he is staying there staying strong on the front lines i mean he's walking around with his soldiers um sending out videos to the world making addresses and he's acting really like a leader and once again everyone can have their own politics but it's pretty cool and that story of snake island Wow, man, we are three or four days into this conflict and we have um, the ghost of Kiev, Snake Island. I mean, these are the, every day is history in the making, but these are some really cool urban legends. I mean, that I feel like I would even tell my kids. We'll see, we'll see how uh, what I think about this, like I said, uh, five or 10 years from now.
Snake Island is cool. The Ghost of Kiev is cool. Uh, one of the aviation related things that I wanted to talk about was um, the airspaces that are closed around Ukraine. So obviously, uh, Ukraine is an a- active conflict zone. So no one's going to really, uh, it, it's not ideal to fly over it, especially for like commercial operations. But uh, the airspaces around it have been closed. So let's pull this one up. Uh, this is Reuters. Um, Europe and Canada moved to close skies to Russian planes. Uh, February 27th, Reuters, European nations and Canada moved on Sunday to shut their airspace to Russian aircraft, an unprecedented step aimed at pressuring President Vladimir Putin to end his invasion of Ukraine, the biggest attack on Europeans since World War II. Aeroflot said it would cancel all flights to European destinations after the EU foreign policy chief uh, Joseph Burrell said the European Union had decided to close its airspace to Russian traffic. The United States is mulling similar actions, but has yet to make a final decision, according to U.S. officials. The U.S. government said citizens should consider leaving Russia immediately on commercial flights, saying an increasing number of airlines canceling flights as countries close their airspace to Russia. The ban on Russian jets comes as the airline industry continues to grapple with the fallout of the COVID-19 pandemic that is still undermining global demand for travel. And I just want to take a second to talk about the shit show the last three years have been. Um, We had COVID, which was a mess and still is a mess. Uh, And then during that entire time, we, we all forget about it. There's, I mean, we've had natural disasters i mean you guys remember two years ago i think in january the the texas ice storm that knocked out power we've had crazy wildfires hurricanes um that i think it was in tonga do you remember if it was in tonga that big volcanic explosion a couple months ago man we just we've been dealing with all of these crises afghanistan us pulling out of afghanistan the first couple months into joe biden's presidency like we're when when does it end but back 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 to the story so airspace around russia is being closed for obvious reasons um it would be very it's, it's a very odd time uh just to be a citizen in the world one more aviation story that is uh that is really that's coming out of this conflict is the story of um this is called the anto the antonov an25 antonov yeah this is the world's largest aircraft, and apparently it's been destroyed um, in the evasion, according to Ukrainian officials. And if you guys are just listening to the podcast, uh, I'll try to describe. It is a massive, massive jumbo jet. Um, it looks like it's got three engines on each uh, wing with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight times two, 16 wheels on each side. So like 32 wheels uh, for the landing gear. I mean, it's just a, the, a massive plane. You can look it up. And the enormous aircraft named Miria uh, or Dream in Ukrainian, it was parked at an airfield near Kiev when it was attacked by Russian occupants. Um, and the reason it was there, it was uh, in the process of being rebuilt, apparently. Um, there's been no independent confirmation of the aircraft's destruction, a tweet from the Antov company said, but it could not verify the technical condition of the aircraft until it has been inspected by experts. Ukrainian state's defense company, Yurko Bornprom, which manages Antov, on Sunday issued a statement saying the aircraft had been destroyed 
but it would be rebuilt at Russian's expense at a cost put at $3 billion. The restoration is estimated to cost over $3 billion U.S. billion in over five years, the statement said. Our task is to ensure that these costs are covered by the Russian Federation, which has caused intentional damage to Ukraine's aviation and its air cargo sector. That's pretty ballsy um, to say that Russian is going, Russia is going to pay for this. I mean, yeah, I agree. I think, I think if they destroy it, they should pay for it. But it doesn't really seem like they are in the place right now or uh, in the headspace to uh, be, support that mission. I mean, that's a sad story, nonetheless. Um, it, it's The whole thing is tragic and sad, but it goes to Kiev. Cool, very cool story. Um, uh, probably not real, but cool nonetheless. Snake Island definitely um, confirmed. And actually, I was reading something that said Zelensky said that those 13 men are going to get, uh, I forgot what the name of the honor was, but they will get uh, the highest honor honor that um, the president of a con- of Ukraine can assign to anybody or maybe just soldiers. Um, essentially, I guess it's like the Purple Heart. Um, and I think I think they deserve it. They they stared death in the face and stood strong to it. And that's what the people of Ukraine are doing right now. Um, and all the airspace around Ukraine is being closed. That makes sense. We'll see how this conflict goes. And it's, it's really sad that this big, this big, beautiful plane was, was uh, destroyed in the conflict um, or damaged. Okay. So back to helicopters. One thing that I want to talk about is uh, this Black Hawk crash. The Black Hawk crash, um, this happened in Utah. And uh, I'm going to be very careful with my words about this because everyone seems to have a very heated um, and everyone just seems to, to have a, a thought on this. And um, we're going to go into the Facebook comments and the Facebook comments are some of the worst places you can ever go on the depths of the Internet. But we're going to talk about it. I'm going to read the original report from... <clears throat> The Salt Lake Tribune, and the Salt Lake Tribune seems to be a reputable resource. Black Hawk helicopters crash near Snowbird. This is by Jordan Miller on February 22nd, which was uh, five days ago. Two Black Hawk helicopters crashed between Little Cottonwood Canyon and American Fort Canyon on Tuesday morning, according to the Utah National Guard. The two UH-60 Black Hawk helicopters crashed during a training accident near the Mineral Basin area southeast of the Snowbird Ski Resort. No crew members were injured in the crash. Both helicopters were damaged, according to the Utah National Guard. The two helicopters were attempting to land at an approved landing zone about 150 yards from the ski resort as part of a routine routine training exercise. Jordan Jones, a spokesperson with the Utah National Guard, said at a news conference Tuesday afternoon. But during the attempted landing, the helicopter's rotor downwash kicked up a cloud of fresh snow likely causing the first Black Hawk to lose sight of the ground, Jones said. Witness videos reviewed by crash investigators show a rotor blade separating from the first Black Hawk and striking the second Black Hawk, Jones said, but the second helicopter was able to land quickly. One witness, Robbie Shine, told the Salt Salt Lake Tribune that he, he had just finished skiing down the mineral basin when he saw the helicopters approaching. At the time, the Steamboat Colorado resident was about 200 yards from the crash site, he said, while another group of people he saw in front were within feet of the Black Hawk when it crashed. It was close. It was a pretty scary event, Cheyenne said. I think they were intending to be further away in the landing zone. Just glad everyone walked away. 
Both pilots involved Tuesday were very experienced, Jones said. Each Blackhawk typically carries three to four crew members, he noted. An incident like this is quite rare. He added the Utah National Guard practices similar training exercises weekly. The crash remains under investigation. Jones said the helicopters would be removed from the area within a few days. I saw the videos. Um, uh, yeah, they got they got some fresh snow sucked up into uh, the rotors, creating a whiteout condition. And from th that point on, you can't really see what happens. Um, maybe i'm not going to speculate but uh we're going to jump into the facebook comments because you know the facebook groups sometimes can provide uh helpful information sometimes they uh sometimes it's just a gross disgusting poop show uh let's look this up there's uh 38 comments and we're just going to read through some of them um Look at all the 30-year NTSB staffers on this thread. We couldn't be more fortunate. And uh, Monday morning QBing, yep, that's exactly what it is. Everyone's got uh, a thought about this, and we weren't there. Um, we're, I'm just grateful that everyone survived because uh, anytime there's an aircraft accident, uh, it's, it's not a good situation. Total JV mistake. This is what happens when the military gets depleted and you have no experience flying in these conditions. But hey, at least everyone's vaccinated. JV, do you assume they were inexperienced, nor do you have facts? Oh, I thought they were. Flown those for 20 years. They flew into it like they were. I have six, I have 16,000 hours in watching these videos. That's not how it would have done. Man, so uh, like I said, I won't speculate on the accident. It looks um, it looks like they just went wide out and something happened within the whiteout and everyone's got their thoughts. We'll wait for the NTSB report and uh, see what happens. But the main point is that it's grateful that everyone walked over, walked away from the crash and uh, survived. The last thing that we're going to talk about, just because we don't have a guest today, um, I asked in these Facebook groups for people to share some cool stories or some crazy stories. And uh I said, if you feel comfortable, you can send me an email with these stories and we will uh, share them live on air. And one of them that I got a couple days ago, really quick response, um, was from this female helicopter pilot down in Australia. Um, and that's one of the cool things about the internet is that you can connect to people all over the world. And I mean, on my Instagram, I'm friends with people in Poland, in Ukraine, in Russia, in Cuba, um, all over the world, in Africa. Uh, I love that about the internet. But she said that she has this crazy story and she just, I actually haven't read through all of it. So we're going to read through all of it together. She asked me to keep her name anonymous. So we are going to um, not share her name, but we are going to read through it. All right. Hi, Devin. This happened a few years ago when I was a student pilot doing my commercial helicopter license. I was about 60 hours in and I had and I was doing confined area training. The idea that day was that my instructor and I would do some dual approaches, landings and takeoffs in the confined area that the school had been using for the last eight years. It is roughly 15 nautical miles to the south of the airport that the school is based at. Then I was to take my instructor back to the airport and practice confined areas solo. Okay, so she did them with her instructor and then take the instructor back and then do it by herself. Anyway, my instructor and I took the little R22 out of the confined area and we had completed two approaches and landings and takeoffs. He asked me to do a third and final one before taking him back to the airport. 
As I come over the ridge, I noticed a four-wheel drive parked on a dirt track with two people standing next to it watching. People often watch helicopters. I do anyways. So I didn't think much of it. I remember my instructor asking me to land the helicopter on a dirt track in the paddock we were using. And I was hovering about three to... I was hovering about three feet off the ground when I felt and heard through my headset an impact from the back, which violently pushed the helicopter forward. My door was off. And when I looked down, I saw a car bonnet next to my leg. Tyler, you know what a bonnet is? Hey, I'm just jumping in here uh, as I'm editing the video. And a car bonnet is the hood of a car. So the front end hood of a car. A car bonnet? Okay, that's a new word for me. Must be uh, an Australian thing. To be honest, I initially thought I'd lost the plot because admitting to what I had just seen seems so insane. I remember the helicopter entering a right descending turn and the low rotor or RPM horn going off. My instructor took control and landed the helicopter a short distance away from the dirt track over which I had been hovering. Initially, he thought that we had been rammed by a bull until he saw the four-wheel drive where we had been hovering. The visibly angry driver then got out and began shouting and swearing at my instructor and approached the helicopter. My instructor got out and tried to calm the driver down and get him away from the helicopter while I was shutting the helicopter down. As I finished shutting down, I called the police as I was sure that my instructor was about to be assaulted. There were two people in the four-wheel drive, neither of whom owned the land we had been conducting training in. And like she said, yeah, they had been doing training there for the previous eight years. The passenger told me that he had been screaming at the driver to stop as the driver was speeding at the helicopter in a rage at 100 kilometers an hour on the dirt track before the deliberate impact. The driver was apparently angry that the helicopter had been scaring some donkeys. The police arrived about 90 minutes later and took some statements. The driver was not taken into custody. The helicopter sustained damage to the landing skids and vertical fin on the left side of the roof and the mast. In the Civil Aviation Act, Section 24, it clearly states that a person commits an offense if person does an act which threatens the safety of an aircraft or persons on board an aircraft. It then states the penalty is imprisonment for two years. Interestingly, I'm to understand that eventually the driver got away with a small fine and no jail time. The police refused to tell me what the penalty was for the driver, and I had to find this out through other channels. If I can share any more details, etc., please let me know. I'm happy that you used the location of Queensland, Australia. Please leave my name out and note that I have left out the genders of both people of the four-wheel drive and the year, the date of the occurrence. I guess I share this also to remind pilots of the sometimes dangerous actions and attitudes that the general public can have towards aviation and aircraft. So holy cow, that's crazy. That is a absolutely wild story. Uh, there's not much that you can say about that. Um, but to, to summarize what happened is you were doing off airports with your instructor. You had done two. You were about to go drop your instructor off. And on the third one, as you come over, there is uh, this four-wheel drive on uh, a dirt road. And as you're coming down to sit down, you get hit from the back and you look out your window and you saw a car next to your leg. So your instructor takes controls, flies away, and uh, your instructor gets out, goes and talks to the driver as you're shutting down. And you call the police because you can obviously see and hear what's happening. And so the damage was to the skids and uh, the vertical fin. Um, and so the police come about 90 minutes later. They take statements, but the guy gets off scot-free um, and nothing else he doesn't get a prison sentence as he rightfully should. I mean, that's just assault. That's assault with a deadly weapon and um, damage to property. Um, vehicular assault. Wow, that's crazy. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Uh, we, You know, we've all have crazy experience from our training days. 
Um, I was very uh, kind of similar experience, but I wasn't assaulted or rammed with an off-road vehicle. I was flying up uh, into the mountains and I was doing this off airport to this, uh, to the back of this field and uh, on the field or on the property was a bakery. So they made these really cool pies and I had never been up there before. So I called the bakery owner before and I was like, Hey, can I land on your property um, and come get some pies? I had looked at Google earth um, and I could see that there was a big open field, no hazards. So I called them and they said, yeah, it's cool. And I was like, hey, is there anything I need to know about? Is it good? Is it a safe landing site? And they were like, yep. So I flew up there, landed, no problems. About five minutes later, two cop cars come into the bakery parking lot and they're like, who's the pilot? And I I, I was there and I was with two other people, non-pilots. And I was like, hey, this was me. And then they were like, well, we got calls about you and... They were actually very nice about it and they didn't have anything bad to say. Um, but like the, the point that you made at the end of that was sometimes people do weird and dangerous things when they see a helicopter because a lot of the public thinks helicopters are cool because they are, but a lot of the general public uh, gets really freaked out by helicopters. And when a helicopter is landing somewhere besides an airport, uh, they think something's wrong. So they'll call uh, the police, your story was weird. Uh, your story was different because uh, that guy assaulted you because you were scaring away some donkeys uh, and not my story where uh, someone called the police because they were concerned for our safety. But, you know, as a pilot, it's not just being aware of the aircraft. Um, you have to be aware of your surroundings and you can't underestimate the craziness that people will that people will pull. Um, people out there are wild. Uh, so that's actually going to we're going to wrap up the podcast there. Um, it's not 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 a full episode today. Uh, I typically like to interview guests and that's the podcast style I like. Unfortunately, we didn't have a guest for today's podcast. The main theme of today's podcast that we were talking about was just the the whole Ukrainian um, crisis. Uh, and, and I wanted to come on here and talk about this. Like I said, I know this is a helicopter podcast, but the current events are there there's a lot and it's very unfortunate and my heart goes out to those people it's a terrible situation uh right before we came on air i i kind of alluded to this at the start but right before we came on air um i was doom scrolling on twitter and doom scrolling on twitter is when something really bad is happening happening and you keep reading the tweets um and i hate to speculate but this whole nuclear word is starting to come up um, it's never really come up in my life before. There's that whole North Korea thing, but um, it, it's just, it's, uh, it's getting weird. So uh, thank you guys all for listening to this episode. We'll see how, we, uh, how it all turns out. Next episode will be out next Monday. Um, that will be, oh, what is that? Monday, the, the 6th, Monday, March 6th. So I will see you guys then and take care.